Working. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. Before we begin, this word, this lesson involves the use of the word radical. What does that mean? Awesome. <laughs> if we were in the 80s, yeah, it would. Like, that's totally gnarly, man. Totally radical. But we're not in the 80s, so what does it mean? Extreme. Extreme. Yes, good. Extreme. <laughs> it means extreme, and that's why in the 80s they adopted it as meaning awesome, is because to an 80s person, extreme was awesome. So it's rad. We are not using it in the terms of the awesome word. Hey, just a reminder, there were three Reconstruction Amendments. I would ask you what they were, but I just showed you. I mean, wait, what were they? 13, 14, and 15. Get the mouse out of your way. 13, 14, and 15, what did 13 do? Good. Emancipation. What did 14 do? Guys, 14, what did it do? Due process and equal protection under the law. Excellent. And 15? Voting rights. For whom? Black people, not women yet. What was women? 19. Good. Good, good, good. You even translated what was woman into the full question that I really meant to ask. Okay. Yet another shocker. The South doesn't like these amendments. Why would that be? They liked having slaves. Why else? Yeah, we have a lot of racism still existing. Racism is the way that they justified slavery. It's not the cause of slavery, but it comes back when you treat other people that way, you have to come up with an excuse in your own head. And the excuse they came up with was that they came up with all kinds of things like black people aren't good enough. They're not really even people. They aren't human. Good. Yes. By the way, what's that called? Dehumanization. Fabulous. Okay, so the South responds, the South reacts by passing even more black codes. Black codes, if you'll remember, are laws about black people trying to limit their rights. One of their favorites, or some of their favorites, involved voting. They could not make it illegal for a black person to vote. So instead, they said, you can't vote if who couldn't vote. I know you know this. If your grandpa can't vote, you can't vote. That's a grandfather clause. Or they did a poll tax. Do you know what a poll tax is? You have to pay to vote. And because they were so poor, that really hurt them. Where the middle class, the upper class, they could do it really easy. Okay, so you know this black coats thing. Good. Hey, the other thing the South does is sharecropping. Are you familiar with sharecropping? I got one yes. It's where you share your crops <laughs> and be nice. I wish they wish more. Hey, 
Here's how it works. Picture we're like a family. We're an African-American family. We were slaves. I don't know why we have so many people in our family. We're a really big family. Family like 27 people. Our poor mom. <laughs> Having like quadruplets multiple times or something. So we're this family and we were slaves and now we've been freed. But what skills are we trained in? We, we're trained to be farmers, that's pretty much it. Now, it's really hard to head out and seek a different career. It's not like they provided career training for them or something. So, what we might choose to do instead is to keep doing the agriculture. So we would keep living in our old slave cabin. We'd fix it up a little bit, make it a little bit better, but we'd rent it. We'd keep working the old fields we used to work, but we'd be renting them technically. So we'd go to our old master, but we wouldn't call him master anymore. We would call him the man. That's the most common. That's where that comes from, where you're like, oh, yep, working for the man. This is its origin. Hey, so we'd go to him and we'd say, hey, we want, uh, we want to plant this many fields of, say, cotton. Uh, we're going to do that. Give us the seeds. He'd give us the seeds. We would grow it, and then we'd go back at the end of the season and sell it to him. He'd sell it for us, and then he'd tell us how much money we made, minus rent for the cabin we live in and the seeds and the rain and the sunshine. <laughs> and, the, and since we're illiterate, we have no idea if he gives us a fair accounting, and if he doesn't, we have no recourse anyway. So every year we owe a little bit more, and we can't leave until we've paid enough. Are you seeing what's going on here? What's happening? Yeah, really, essentially, he's, the man is keeping us in slavery. It's not quite the same. He doesn't beat us. He doesn't. So it's better. We're technically free. But practically speaking, he's keeping in control. By the way, just a side note, historical side note. How come it'd be the man and not the woman? Men suck. <laughs> Sexism is correct. <laughs> and maybe. Because women weren't allowed to own property back then. So yeah, sexism is the correct answer. It's just not specific. So yeah, so working for the man be pretty crappy so that they kind of perpetuate essentially slavery that way. So now we get into radical reconstruction. Radical being extreme, not cool or gnarly as 80s people would also say. Gnarly man. I guess everybody thought they were surfers or something. <sighs> the 80s. There's so much wrong with it. And yet they had some good music. And some really terrible music. That's true, too. Hey, so let's go back to the 1870s and 1880s. So Reconstruction. Sorry, I digress. Now, President Johnson, I told you a little bit about him yesterday. 
as presidents go, is he like an Abraham Lincoln or a George Washington or whatever? No, he's just kind of meh at best, maybe even a little worse than meh, maybe even a lot worse than meh. So they've got new voters, new black people, and they've got all these angry northerners. Why are they angry? Because Johnson, while Lincoln was kind of like, let's forgive and forget, Lincoln also made them promise they wouldn't fight again. He made them swear allegiance to the United States. This was his plan. Uh, Johnson is like, "Ah, you know what? I know we freed these slaves, but let's not give them rights. Because we still have a lot of racism, so... He doesn't like any rights for the freedmen. And then he also, in addition to curtailing their rights, in addition to all that, he really supports just no sanctions on any Confederates whatsoever. If Robert E. If Robert e. Lee needs to... Um, wants to run for president, Johnson's like, yeah, let him. Where most of the Northerners are not happy with this. Why did we fight this war just to let them come and do whatever they want? Let's not do this. We'll see Johnson get his a little bit later. So they have this election, and in this election, they push a bunch of extremists, a bunch of radicals. They call them the Radical Republicans. Yeah. Oh, yeah, cross-off number two. Carpetbaggers is not on there twice on purpose. Sorry. Yeah, it's, it's also number 10. I don't know why, how it ended up. Actually, I know exactly how it ended up on there twice, because I moved it. <coughs> hey, so in this election, then, radical Republicans win. These people really want to see the South. They want to stick it to the South. As a matter of fact, I have their goals right here. They really want to completely destroy that whole plantation system. It doesn't do any good to have a war and then go back and be like, oh, wait, never mind. And then they also want to make sure that the freed blacks have the right to vote. So this is what they want. This is what they desire. How are they going to go about it? Well, first, they're going to send in the army. If they find out that blacks aren't being allowed to vote, they're going to send in the army, and the army is going to make them allow them to vote. They're also going to punish between 10,000 and 15,000 Confederates. Now, we were talking about battles where 100,000 people died, so this isn't a huge number, but it's pretty much if you were a Confederate officer... You don't have any, you don't have the right to vote anymore. You renounced your citizenship in the United States. We're not giving it back to you. So, so get this. This is like a vitriolic fight. Like we argue about stuff now. Back then they argued like crazy and, and we just barely had a civil war. So we know that it can end in bloodshed. But they're still going to keep pushing this. They're still going to keep going. So what happens to Johnson in the end? Johnson has a fight then. Well, 
Let me ask this for starters. Who's really more powerful, Congress or the president? Congress, yeah. Why do you say Congress? You're smart. It's the correct answer, but why do you say it? What makes them, what makes them powerful? They are the ones that control the spending and what the military does. I mean, they don't, can't order them around like the commander does, but they've got the cash. And what? Checks and balances. But Congress, how can they override the president's check? Can they override a veto? Yeah, especially if there's tons of them, which there were. Uh, so if he can't veto Congress, what can the president do about Congress? Not a lot. Congress was intended to be the most powerful branch. It was intended to be the most powerful branch because the people who wrote the Constitution intended to be the Congress people. That was their plan. George Washington was going to be president. They were going to be Congress people. So, so it's the most powerful. So when they end up in a fight with Johnson, they're really going to exert this power. So Johnson fires his cabinet. He fires a few members of his cabinet. Who is, who's the cabinet? His what? What does the cabinet do? They're the heads of each department, and they're the advisors to the president. So like the Secretary of State, Secretary whatever, it's not like his cabinet, like, go and get plates out or something. Yeah. yeah no. So he has, although Johnson was kind of an idiot, so maybe he would have battles with his, with his like, kitchen cabinet. And, I can't get it open. Crap. <laughs> He's pushing. <laughs> I just want some food. And no, he's fighting with the human cabinets. <laughs> Only in uh, Beauty and the Beast. Then he promises, uh, then he, he fires a couple of them. And Congress is like, you have to have our permission to fire these cabinet members. Yeah, he, they, he doesn't. The president doesn't have to have Congress's permission, but Congress is just ticked off. They're just looking for something they can blame him for. This is it. The Constitution says that they can impeach a president for high crimes and misdemeanors. But it never says what that means. Yeah, exactly. So they're like, well, we'll call this a high misdemeanor. We'll impeach the president. So they impeach him. I mean, they're, look, they're even giving out tickets because they think it's going to be entertaining. Poor Johnson. Hey, let's pause here for a second and make sure that we have impeachment and what it means. So first of all, how many presidents have been impeached? Three. How many times have presidents been impeached? Four. Yes, who were they? So Andrew Johnson, obviously. Who's the next one? Nixon is a super smart answer, but it's incorrect. Yes, he knew he was going to get impeached, and he knew he was going to be found guilty, and so he resigned before he could get impeached. Okay, so hold, hold that thought. So the second one then wasn't Nixon, but Nixon's a good answer. 
It was Clinton. Clinton was impeached for perjury for lying under oath. And then one other president was impeached. President Trump was impeached twice. Okay, once after he had technically left office. So we could argue about that, but honestly, we're not constitutional lawyers. So, and frankly, I was teaching poli-sci, so the stance I took was to stand aside and just watch the show. You know, I should have given out popcorn, except I'm allergic to it. I can't have popcorn in my room. I know, yeah, life is hard. Yeah. Yeah, it's terrible. Okay, so we have four impeachments. Now, here's the thing, here's the mistake people make. What happens is the House of Representatives impeaches you. Well, hopefully not you personally. <laughs> I don't, hopefully, I don't know. I don't see one of you people being president. But not getting impeached. Wow, harsh. I plead the fifth. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm a citizen. Uh, the fifth. Jackson for president. Jimmy Shaw. No. Maybe a senator. To be president. It's good. It's a good goal. I, the last couple presidents have been fairly wealthy, but like Reagan was from a poor family. Reagan, just for anyone here who struggles with their, with their family life, Reagan used to come home and literally pick his dad up off his porch because he was drop dead drunk and drag him inside the house so he wouldn't freeze to death on the porch. And then he paid for college by being a lifeguard. So, yeah, you could go up. Obama's mom was a college professor in anthropology. They don't make a lot of money. I know, because that's what I was starting out to be. <laughs> and I discovered my senior year that my professors made about a little more than half of what my mom made teaching high school. And I was like, no, thank you. I don't want to do that. <laughs> so yeah, so you can, you can overcome your... There you go. But I, for all I know, Jimmy lives in a big old mansion and has like a. Does he? Do you have a nice house? Oh, for a second, I thought you said he lives in a dump mansion. And I was like, it's a dump mansion? So it's a mansion, but it's also a dump. Go ahead. Anthropology is the study of people. Yeah, it includes archaeology, like Indiana Jones. It doesn't pay as much because it's really fun, and so a lot of people want to do it. If you want to make money as a college professor, you have to be a college professor in something boring that people don't want to do, or something that get, pays a lot outside, like a computer science college professor gets a decent amount of money because they can make way more in the private sector, so they have to compete with that. Yeah. Okay. How did we get on that? Oh, presidents, presidents, and Jimmy was going to be president. Uh, okay. Now I'm with you and impeachment. So the House impeaches the president. 
Then after the impeachment happens, it goes over to the Senate and the Senate votes on whether the president is guilty or not. They hold a trial, but the senators are, are the jury. So the House, which tends to be more radical, tends to be because they're elected every two years, a little closer to the people. The House is way more willing to impeach than the Senate is willing to fire people. So uh, President Trump's first impeachment works is a really great example. Uh, mo a lot of senators were like, yeah, he says and does things that we don't agree with, but not to the level that we're going to get rid of him, where the House is like, let's get rid of him right now. Does that make sense? So of the four impeachments, how many have been found guilty and removed from office? Zero. Remember, Nixon resigned before he could be impeached because he almost definitely would have been removed, and he knew it. He said he knew it. I only know what he said. So what Nixon said is he said uh, that he wasn't going to drag the country through that process. You know, I don't know Nixon well enough. There's presidents I know well enough to judge. So like Theodore Roosevelt, I know well enough that I can judge what he said. Um, Lincoln, I know well enough that I can judge what he said, but Nixon's not one I know well enough to judge what he said. I don't, I don't have a good enough background on him. Yeah, yeah. Apparently. Yeah, it can be way entertaining. Yeah, it's like a trial. It really is. It really is a trial. Clinton's was pretty entertaining. I remember I was like a little younger than you, maybe a lot younger than you. But I remember that one. What impeachment actually means is that they're going to put them on trial. It never says. <laughs> so that's totally debatable. And that's one of the things with Trump's second impeachment. He'd already, the presidency was already over. And so what, what would that have meant if they'd found him guilty? I don't know. There was arguments about whether they could actually impeach him or not. There's, and honestly, if you find a college professor, a constitutional scholar, the, so, a lawyer who specializes in the Constitution who now teaches that to other lawyers, they argue. They're like, yeah, this is good. No, this is bad. No, this, so I have no chance of answering this in a good, in a good way. Because you'll find someone from like Yale and Harvard that argues with someone else from like Yale and Harvard. And so the, the, the short answer is we, we don't know. We don't know how that would actually play out. Um, remember the exact details to be honest I'd have to go look him up it was something about something he said no that's a different thing that's that's the recent trial yeah so moving on then Johnson is impeached but he is not what He's not found guilty. 
perfect, so he's not removed from office. He stays as president. Last side note on impeachment that you should just know. You can impeach a Supreme Court justice. Uh, that's happened only once that I know of. In like the very early 1800s, they impeached. And they didn't find him guilty either. So. Yeah, they're super. Yeah. There always is. Okay, so you've got impeachment. Now let's talk about car carpetbaggers for real. Now, this is just a nickname they gave to these people. And they gave them this nickname because they were traveling around and they used bags made out of carpet. So I have a picture. This is a real, the, I mean, this isn't a real, it's a picture of one, but this is an 1800s carpet bag. And then you see in the cartoon, there's a dude carrying a carpet bag. So it's made of carpet, looked all kinds of fancy and whatever. So what a carpet bagger was is someone who came from the north, but they saw that a lot of the leadership in the south was ineligible to run for office. So they decided they would move there and run for office themselves. So again, it's a northerner, moves to the south so that they can become a representative or a senator or whatever. With their carpet bags. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Yeah, it still is. So a lot of times people will have, especially wealthier people, they'll have more than one residence. Uh, Hillary Clinton did this. Mitt Romney did this. And Donald Trump could do this. He hasn't yet, but he kind of threatened to a little bit. If you have a house in one place, Romney's a good example since he's one of our senators, I'll tell you. He had a house in New Hampshire, one in California, one in Utah. So when he lost the presidential election, he moved permanently into his one in Utah and then ran for senator uh, from Utah. Could he do that? Yeah, because Utah law only requires him to be a resident of Utah, and he was technically a resident of Utah. So some people were really upset about it. Not enough to matter because he's, he won the election. Same thing, Hillary Clinton, she was a resident of Arkansas, like because Bill Clinton was governor of Arkansas, but they had a house in New York. She moved into New York, got elected senator from New York. So we still move around. But back then, like now, it's not because our leaders are ineligible for office. It's because they just want to run, I guess. So these carpetbaggers, how do you think Southerners like, how do you think they felt about this? Yeah, they're mad. They're really angry. They, now the Northerners are taking our congressional positions, blah, blah, blah. So they get really upset. But they can't just go and vote. They can't just vote for uh, Robert E. Lee instead because Robert E. Lee is ineligible to vote. Or, yeah, and he can't run. So instead, some of them decide to do this. This is older. It's an older style than you're used to, but who are these people? 
The KKK. Yeah, so this dude, his name was Nathan Bedford Forrest. You don't need to know his name. But he, uh, he invented the KKK, the Ku Klux Klan. It is a response to the carpetbaggers. It's also a response to the 13th, 14th, 15th Amendment. All this stuff is leading up to the KKK. Now, what does the KKK do? For You know what they believe, right, already? We don't have to go over that. Maybe we should real fast just to be safe. Give me one word that describes the KKK that starts with an R. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's a racist organization. Who do they hate? Especially black people, but they really hate anybody. They hate anybody who's not a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. They hate Jews. They hate Mormons. They hate Catholics. They hate Hispanic people. Not a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. Well, yeah, that's their, their thing. But they hate black people the worst. And the thing that makes them the most angry is when a black person starts to act like they have rights or privileges or moves up. They call it being uppity, moving up, trying to move up in the world. So that's why they react so strong when an African-American person like dates a white woman. They, they don't like that because they're acting uppity. They're trying to move up in their station and they want them to stay down. So they form the KKK. What tools does the KKK use? to try to keep people in their place. Violence, including lynching. Good answer. They also use fear, intimidation. How do they scare people? They burn a cross. They see you, you they see that you register to vote. Again, let's say it's our ginormous African-American family. We're living here. Uh, one of us goes and registers to vote, they show up, they burn the cross in our yard. That's a warning to us to stop what we're doing. What happens if we don't? They might, they might just kill us. They might just hang us. They might burn our house down. They might do both of those. It's very common for them to murder the father in front of the children. They like that one. Now, how come they are seldom brought to justice for this? Say again. They're in the South, and back in that time, there were so many racists, so chances were really good that the sheriff that was investigating it was a member of the KKK also, and the judge that was trying it was a member of the KKK, and most of the members of the jury were members of the KKK. Is every Southerner a member of the KKK? No, no. Absolutely not. Maybe not even the majority, but it's enough, especially back in the 1800s. Now, this keeps growing until eventually uh, they, well, well, it's there. It keeps growing until eventually they've done too many things to too many people, and the founder of the KKK itself disbands it, the Nathan Bedford Forrest. He's like, you know, we've basically we've hurt too many innocent people, and so the public's not on our side anymore. 
Turns out the public doesn't like the idea of a family getting ripped apart and the parent being killed in front of the children. Even though most of America at that time was fairly racist, that's just too far. So in the end, they realize there's some need to compromise. They want to end the violence. See? And they also want to allow some more of the leaders to run for office. They realize that maybe if we take a little bit of a middle road, things could happen. So they pass a law called the Amnesty Act. The Amnesty Act um, forgives most of the rebels. Not all of them. It leaves about 500 military leaders who cannot uh, run for office or vote. These are mostly very high-ranking military officers. And government officials, I should, I should add. Jefferson Davis can't run for president of the U.S. Robert E. Lee can't. So ends reconstruction. You have any questions? No. Good.